Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. How do you get your joy back? Well, first of all, I think that assumes that you, you did or that you do have joy in the first place to even get back. Well, it's interesting, and I asked that question because yesterday I spent the day at the hospital with my uh, just an incredible friend from college, and she just had a surgery. She found out she had cancer. They rushed her in into the hospital, finding out just this weekend. So by by Monday, they were automatically, you know, trying to get in there and get the cancer out. Yet there was so much joy. I mean, it literally, when you walked into her room, it was contagious. Well, okay, I know you've, you've already shared part of that story with me, and it's amazing because we've been praying for your friend. But before we get too much farther into that story, I, we just want to remind our listeners that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All right, I'm going to go back to yesterday. Um, Seriously, it's just crazy. It made me think of um, just how Mary must have felt when, uh, you know, here she is. She's she's just found out that, you know, hey, by the way, um, an angel's coming down here and telling you that you're going to um, uh, basically have this incredible birth of God's son. And just the torment of, I'm sure, everybody around her looking at her like you're just this, this horrible, um, you know, fornicator or whatever they, they, their thoughts were. And her parents looking at her going, hey, Mary, what's up? And she goes over to see Elizabeth and the joy that Elizabeth had that just literally wowed Mary to the point of they were both like elated. And that's how I felt yesterday when I, I was at the hospital. Um, she just, my, my girlfriend, Brenda, I mean, <clears throat> literally for the last five years, they have dealt with her husband uh, finding out that he had colon cancer, um, basically getting his colon removed. They're dealing, you know, the, the years of all of that, of, of trying to be cancer free. And now, you know, pow, this weekend she finds out that she has ovarian cancer and I mean, at some point you kind of go, okay, God, seriously, I, I, I was, I was actually teasing her that apparently you did so well with your husband's cancer that, um, now you get to do this again. Um, just this cancer ministry, because they're just amazing with the amount of just joy and peace. And I, I have to tell you a story. So I go, Lisa, I know Wait, I, I, I have to interrupt because I have to let everybody know that you are highly caffeinated right now. So story time is going to be without any breaths or pause. So I'm just warning everybody, you're highly caffeinated, which I love. 
I love. So keep going. I, I will breathe. But you know why? Because I'm telling you, this joy was contagious. It just, I, I can't even, I, I, I hope that I can convey the, the story the way that it took place yesterday. But it's kind of like uh, caffeinated joy, right? <laughs> there we go. So I, I'm I'm in there in the hospital and I'm, I'm with my I, my other um, college friend. Um, these are all just dear dear friends. Um, you know they're the the A list people that you have. At, uh, as a matter of fact, when we went into the hospital, the nurse was like, "No more friends," because she just literally has a line down the hallway of people coming to see her. And um, I was happy because her sister was like, no, 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 they're the A-list. They can come in. And so um, I didn't know you had an A-list for the hospital, but it's kind of cool. And so we're in there, and she's telling the story of it's the middle of the night, and her IV falls out, and she definitely needs this IV because it's, it's, the, it's the drugs, you know, for the pain. And God has orchestrated this whole thing to the point that it's her, the nurse that's in there helping her is her pastor's wife. So she is doing everything she can um, for Brenda. And we're like, we're going to get this IV in and there's nurses coming in. And I don't know if anybody out there has had to deal with when they can't get that IV in. It's horrible. It's painful. And they're trying every vein that you have possible. And, um, so now she's in severe pain of them trying to get this IV in her arm. And so they're going to call, you know, the SWAT team uh, IV people, but they're going to be a couple hours away. And so the the nurse, uh, her dear friend, who, who is her pastor's wife, says, you know what, Brenda, we're going to do this. We are, I'm just going to, and she started rubbing her, the top of her hand where she wants to get this blood, you know, up to get this IV in. She's like, we can do this. And in the meantime, her sister starts reading to her, her son, who's 15 years old. The teacher of this class had all of these kids write verses and just quotes on Instagram. She started reading all of these messages to Brenda, just encouraging, you know, like I said, verses and quotes and just calming Brenda. It took an hour and a half to get this IV in, but Brenda said it was the most incredible, like she's never experienced anything like this. Just uplifting, so full of peace, so full mm -hmm. of just that total content, that experience of just being there with Christ. And when mm. she was telling the, telling the story, I, I'm not even doing it justice. I, I felt, I, 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 Lisa, I know that um, you don't believe this, but I actually, I was tearing up. I was, I started crying because the story no. was so beautiful. Yeah. And I, it was just amazing. And I thought, that's the kind of joy that is, is promised that God wants us. When he said, you know, I came, I, I sent my son so you can have an abundant life and to be able to have that kind of peace and that kind of just being so content that inside quality that is placed there by God, um, that, that Christ dwells within us. It goes back to, to Mary to truly be wowed by others where you walk out of a hospital that's just, loaded up with cancer and go, I want that kind of joy. All right. I'm breathing now. I'm taking a breath. You're allowed to talk. Well, thank you. Well, that is a, that is an amazing story and an amazing experience. And a, I mean, literally you were like kind of on sacred ground when you experience something like that and somebody that has that joy that is really beyond anything that we can really comprehend. And you know where it comes from. It comes from only, only Christ can give that, but you know, and it's interesting because as you're talking, I remember, um, you know, we've, we've been in hospital rooms and you've been, you know, visiting people before and, and in that environment. And 
you can tell those that really have that joy. We were talking about getting your joy back today and those that never did or don't because you have like you, you walk, like you said, you walk in that room and you experience, um, you know, Brenda just being like at peace and this joy oozing out. You know there's something different immediately when you walk in the room, even with people that are around her. And then you've been in probably in the halls of hospitals where you have somebody screaming, using profanity at people around, demanding attention. Mm -hmm. And they're not even that critically ill. And so we've seen both. And you just go, okay, joy, you really have to choose and allow to go, I am going to be full of joy even though my circumstances around me are, are not really joyful. And it's easy to get that joy and happiness confused because we, we, get, we get bought in that we think we should be happy all the time, that, that we're entitled to happiness. And really happiness is dependent upon our circumstances. And joy is something you have to choose. And um, I just remember, now I'm, I'm highly caffeinated, but I just remember... Um, Years ago, I worked uh, as an activity director at a, an active adult community, and I just remember, you know, so many of those those people, they were they were just amazing and, you know, so full of life and energy, and you just love being around them. And then there were others that were, you know, in their 60s, 70s, whatever, that were just, I mean, literally grumpy. I mean, just people you didn't want to be around that just were critical, that they complained. There was nothing you could do. Um, that would make them happy. And I just remember back then, and I was like in my, you know, twenties, thirties, whatever. And I remember looking at them going, okay, do people, when they get older, do, does that make you like grumpy and cranky or were these people always this way? And, um, you know, and then when they get to this age, they, they let it loose, you know, it's like, okay, I, I filtered it. I've, um, you know, I've worked around it, but now I'm at this age that I'm just going to let it loose. And so this is really who I am. I'm, I've always been cranky and grumpy. I've just contained it more. And, um, and so you just look at people and you go, okay, but I don't want to be that person. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to be that way when I get older. And, um, do I have joy? So I think that's a question we just want to ask as we go into our show. And, um, as we're going to be having our, our guest Lori uh, Wallen speak pretty in next segment, um, just about this joy and finding this joy and getting your joy back and living with joy through the circumstances of life. And I think it's a choice we all have to have to make. And it's like when we want every, all of us, you know, us included to think about as we go into our show today. Well, you know, and, and I know we just have a couple minutes before we go into a commercial break, but just as you were saying that, you know, making that choice, of like literally choosing the joy and looking for things in your in your day and and looking for where um, God wants you and I it, it, I even think about when we were in Africa and you're literally in the worst of the slums and yet we witnessed that we sat there just like I did you know sitting there with Brenda and holding her hand yesterday and just seeing that joy that just illuminates her face. Um, we sat there with these, these people that have gone through so much, um, just experienced joy and, and just God's peace. And I, this morning, as I was walking, my husband and I go on these hikes in the morning and, and we were just praying for Brenda and Mark and, um, like wanting that, uh, just that, that ultimate peace, but then going, okay, but I don't want to have to go through <laughs> what, People have to go through, do you know what I'm saying? To almost like experience that ultimate peace and joy that you're seeing. And I thought, what a wimp. It's like we, we, I see that depth of just 
when you're in the pit and, and God just pulls you out and, um, you, you, you see how so many people can just go through that and experience that joy, but yet we really don't want to have to go through the pit to get to that, that depth. I don't. <laughs> Personal <laughs> confession. I really don't. I know. I avoid that. But this, this is a good subject to really talk about and really kind of get on your radar and go, okay, am I a person, like you said earlier, that is contagious with my joy, that people respond and they go, I want what she's having, that joy, or do I allow my circumstances around me and I live, you know, I value happiness more than joy. And I think that's a question we need to to ask ourselves as we go into um, our show is where is your joy and can you get your joy back? We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on Toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We are talking about joy. And if you don't have joy, how do you get that joy back? But we have now, I'm going to call her the expert on joy, our guest today, Lori Wallen. She is a speaker and the author of the book, Why Your Weirdness is Wonderful, Embrace Your Quirks and Live Your Strengths. A certified life coach, she has helped people for over 10 years to get unstuck and live powerfully by discovering and developing their strengths identifying and releasing resentment and pursuing their God-inspired 
inspired hopes and dreams. She blogs at LoriWallen.com, and she also contributes to others at Not Alone. Um, she shares thoughts on thriving in families with special needs while on God-sized dreams. She writes on the ups and downs of pursuing our passions. She's also the wife and mother of four, including two foster adopted children with special needs. And she lives in San Diego, California, which, of course, we all covet that. Um, but welcome, Lori Wallen. How are you today? I'm doing great. And sorry for the coveting. <laughs> I know. Nice. I know. Every time, every time I'm there, which, of course, you know, all the, all the people in Arizona flock to San Diego for their vacation, there is that, that little, you know, thing that we're not supposed to do where we covet that. So you're causing us all to sin, but <laughs> we go and look at, at how much it costs for the housing. And I go, no, I still want to eat. So yeah. it, um, oh, that. it's crazy, but I love it there. How long have you lived there? Since middle school. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and yet, and yet you still choose to let your kids grow up there, huh? <laughs> I do. I really like the way that it's urban and suburban. Uh, we live in an area where we rarely have to drive, so we can walk to everything, and it's it's kind of fun. I used to live, I lived in Europe for part of my education time, and I always wanted to be in a walkable city, so we we find ourselves in a part of San Diego that's like that, and it's really fun. That's awesome. It's funny. I was just saying that to my brother the other day. Coming from Arizona, we lived in a real walkable place. But now where I live, I feel like I'm in California because we don't think anything of having to drive for 30 minutes or drive for an hour, which that used to be so foreign, you know, where I grew up. So that that is interesting. And I love it that you are in a walkable place. I like that Europe feel that way where you have to walk to go get your vegetables down the street. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So Lori, I love, first of all, just even the books that you write on why your weirdness is wonderful. Um, I can't tell you how many times I tell Lisa how quirky she is. So embracing your quirks <laughs> um, is, is just, you, you so talk our lingo and um, the, the not alone that you um, have on your, you do a blog. Tell us a little bit more about this and for a decade, helping people get unstuck. Like what made you so passionate in getting involved and helping others? You know, I was a, I started out as a scientist, haha, and realized really quickly that working with molecules and Western blots was not going to be my life-giving cup of tea, <laughs> so I needed to be around people, and I love the way we're made, and, the, and, and I studied the biological way that we're made as people and studied, um, like, the effects of stress on neurons in the body and that kind of thing, but I just could not be in a lab all by myself, so then I got my teaching credential, went into public school teaching, taught high school and middle school level and and there I found because when you're a new teacher they give you all of the hardest things in the whole wide world to do and so I got assigned this program called the AVID program and that started in California it's for kids who would be first generation to college and their families and they train you to coach not just the kids but their whole family and you get the kids who are in the middle not failing and not super stellar in school because they don't have the resources. They don't know what they need to do to get to college, to starting their own businesses, that kind of stuff. So I was trained to coach there in like 1999, 2000, and 
I've quickly moved from the science part over to that uh, and just took that whole program over and made it a campus-wide program for the kids because it just is so valuable to be able to walk alongside people, take what they've got for resources, and show them how to multiply that. You know, so um, through that, once I once we decided we were going to have me come home and we were adopting our two older girls in 2004, I came home and I re- I just missed it too much. I couldn't let go of the coaching piece of it. I love seeing people bloom in their lives and um, just came across. I was thinking counseling or something else, and then coaching was starting to become bigger. And I got uh, got associated with the American Association of Christian Counselors. They have a program swooped me into coaching right there. And I just, I've been in love with it ever since. Wow. That, you know, okay. First of all, I have to go, you're adopting your two children too. And then, and coaching and just working with, with people and, and like that life coaching, we're just so believing that giving back and, and helping people see their potential. And like you said, bloom to where they can go. So with all of that, did that just kind of create this, um, you started writing about the the weird and the quirky. So explain that because like Patty said, that's so such our lingo. And I think it's so easy for all of us, no matter our circumstances, where it's one of those kids, you said they're first generation going to college. We, we don't know what normal is and we don't know. And we we're a lot of times we don't feel like we fit or we feel quirky. So how do you help people navigate through that to really start blooming and get past those um, maybe negative stories they tell themselves? Yeah, it. Um, I think really my my mom got me started on that. She is a real individualist, and she sees the good in people. and And she had her own issues, you know. As I was growing up with her, we have mental health stuff going on in our own family. And um, but she would sit me down at a park or you know, wherever we find ourselves, we go to Winchell's in the morning and grab a donut before school. And she'd say, what do you think that person's about? What do you think that they're good at? What do you see in them that looks interesting? You know, and so she taught me to people watch and to notice things about people. And so I've always done that. And and I think because I was trained really to notice all of a person and not be afraid of different kinds of people. It, um, it really was something that I carried into my adulthood. And so that's why it was easy for me to work in the public schools and to be the teacher where all of the kids who couldn't mainstream anywhere else would come for one period a day, you know, um, because I see them, I see all of who they are. And I think God gave that to me as a gift and I really appreciate it. Um, and to be able then to take that into coaching, and to be sitting with people who I can see right when I sit down with them have these phenomenal giftings and, and I hear them struggling with the things they wish that they could do differently or that they wish they wouldn't do as often and that kind of thing. It just makes me fierce for them to want to point out, you know, do you see the, the gift that you're sitting on here? I mean, you're sitting on a treasure and let's see if we could focus on that and not spend our energy wishing we were different. You know, if we, if we believe the truth that we're made in God's image and we believe the truth of Psalm 139, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, we're going to have to get used to the fearful part of who we are and, mm-hmm. and praise God for that too, you know? Well, mm-hmm. you know, when you say that, here you are, uh, I, I love the way you're, you're talking about your, you know, you're sitting on, on these phenomenal gifts. And so many times it's so true. Other people see it in you, but you don't see it in yourself. Have you noticed as you're um, coaching others, as they get older, 
um, they are more intimidated and they are less able to see their gifts. Like you would think as we get older, we, we would be more self-aware and to really, you know, hone in on those strengths and those gifts. But I have noticed that where it seems like as my friends and as others that are, as we're aging, you become less, I guess the word would be bold with using your strengths. Have you noticed that? And if so, why do you think that happens? Oh, yeah, I do. I do notice that. And I think there's a combination of things playing into it. Part of it is just that we are in a culture that doesn't value wisdom and age. And so as we get older, if we haven't made peace with the things about us that are quirky or hard to deal with, then we we already in this culture are going to feel less and less valued as we get older. And and so it's even that more much more crucial for people to find a way to connect with these things in us and to see what God means that he is strongest in what we perceive to be our weaknesses. Because honestly, I mean, I don't think if we're made in God's image, we weren't wired with weaknesses. We were wired to reflect him. And the things that are weak in us are just because we don't know what to do with them. We don't know how to love people with them. We don't know how to love God with them. And so really the issue is not like, how can I be different than I am? It is how can I be God's best in what Mm. he's made in me? And that's just so interesting because especially when you work with women, we, we tend to beat ourselves up a lot and we focus on those weaknesses. And like you said, I, I haven't ha- heard it put that way. We're not wired for weakness because we're made in God's image. And yet it's so easy to focus on those weaknesses and nullify and silence the strengths in our lives. And so it goes back to what like you we were saying in life coaching. We all need somebody that believes in us, that sees um, beyond what we can't see. That's our cheerleader. And that's basically what you've been doing. And um, even in your book, Get Your Joy Back, Can you just explain a little bit of that? Because you're really helping parents in in kind of unique circumstances. Though it might be a unique circumstance, I think we all have different circumstances in our lives where we need to get our joy back, whatever that looks like, you know, whatever challenge or situations in our life. So let's go to your book real quick. And and I know it comes from a very personal place for you. Can you just give us a little overview about your family? And we just have two minutes. So maybe just kind of introduce a little bit. Then we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Oh, okay. Yeah, my uh, husband and I have been married for 16 years, and after uh, four or so years of infertility, we were really asking God, you know, do you want us to be parents, or do you want us to be spiritual parents, or, you know, love on people in different ways, and it came really strongly to us in prayer that we needed to be parents in our own homes, and so we started looking at what that could be, and we really felt strongly that we couldn't walk around our neighborhood and know that there were kids in our neighborhood who needed families and and we weren't willing to do that. So we chose to go through the foster care system and, and then God filled us up with two more for the quiver biologically a couple of years later. And uh, so we've got four now. Mm. Well, and that's so, that's so interesting. And that, but the two that you did um, foster to adopt, which my, my son and daughter-in-law are, big advocates of the foster. They have a little foster guy right now that they're hoping we're hoping will stay in our family. And it is quite the journey and just, um, it taps into a part of you, a deep part of you and with love. And so it, it's kind of a sacred thing to do. Well, we're going to take a quick break. I want to come back and talk more about this because it is profound, what you, what your journey and what you have to pass on to others. We'll be right back.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. This is God in Country. The Collision of Faith and Politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology, and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show. On Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back with Lori Wallen, author of Get Your Joy Back for Weary Parents of Special Needs Kids. And she has been that parent herself and is, is still that parent. And I have to tell you, Lori, we're so all over the place. Um, we started out just with how do you have that joy to you sharing some. Um, incredible things that I, I, I've never heard before on we are not wired with weaknesses. We are wired in God's image. And um, knowing that, of course, we are created in God's image. But I, like Lisa said, um, that's an interesting tweak on the words of we're not wired with weaknesses. And yet I feel like all the time I'm thinking that going, OK, I am weak, but he is strong and almost to the point, you know, from a, a wee little, you know, singing Jesus loves me uh, to, to feeling that way. And so we're over here. We're talking about that. Then we're, we're talking about your experience with your four children and um, special needs. And then Lisa, what's going on in your life with Jeremy and Michelle and their um, foster child. So uh, I'm going to, instead of asking you the question, I'm going to say out of all of those, like, topics there which one would you like to focus in on well if you have an audience who's been listening along uh, with the journey for uh for the son-in-law or the son and daughter-in-law that um let's talk that because if that's what people are what you all are talking about let's speak into that place 
Well, I think the thing is, you know, um, I just so, I think you totally can start understanding the heart of God um, in a deeper, um, more personal way when you just watching, you know, just as, as the grandparent watching and um, loving. And so I want to hear your story because you chose to take two foster children and adopt them with special needs. Is that correct? Oh, they, we didn't know that they had special needs when we adopted. Okay. Um, kind of like any any time you have kids, right. and oh my, they're look at that four, five, six, ten years later. But we uh, we they said in the paperwork that they were just typical happy kiddos, and we didn't get to meet them until we had already said yes, we'll have them because of the security and the you know the need to not disrupt their life. They had had eight. We were their eighth placement in eighteen months. By the time they got to us, they had already been through a failed adoption, and we didn't find out the circumstances of that until later. So we found ourselves neck deep in grief and loss and trauma with our girls. And two at once. It was like twins. And uh, the younger one was failure to thrive when we got her. So she was struggling to hold on at all. She had had, um, we didn't find out until eight years later that she has epilepsy. And it had been misdiagnosed as about 26 different things. And so we, you know, it, it was a long process for us. And we have had many, 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 many chances to fall hard at God's feet with them and to to ask, you know, where are you in this and what do you need from us in this? And, and please be in this for them, you know. And that, you know, don't you just totally... Uh, I, I first of all, I commend you and, and just watching um, even my own kids and watching families within our church that have entered into this narrative and, and are just, you know, watching you, it. On one hand, it's extreme joy. And on the other hand, like you said, it's it's it just breaks your heart. And and, um, it, you know, you find yourself asking a lot of questions and and it's just hard to imagine. You know, it's like you just look at these children who are all precious in God's sight and God just. You know, he had a special place in his heart for children, and you just, you totally understand that. And to join God in that, but it but it is hard, and it takes a special type of person. How do you, how have you and your husband been able to, I mean, we know that the right answer is it's God, and God always sustains. But then there's the practical part of every day waking up, um, and sometimes not even knowing what the day is going to look like, because you don't know how the kids are going to respond, or just, you know, the environment around. How do you... Just each day, and then um, how do you find that encouragement in your own personal journey? And then how do you find that encouragement to give to others? And do you create a community around you with other parents in similar circumstances? Yeah, I think that the key is really to continue to reach out to other people. For me, it is anyway. There, there's this sense of swirling down, you know, the toilet mm-hmm. kind of with your heart, your spirit, your sense of effectiveness, whether or not you, you can't, you even have anything to bring to the table when you're coming at such intense, you know, emotion and issues that the kids would bring to that. And there, I mean, you said, you know, how do you wake up not knowing what's going to happen? Well, you know, when you've got two kids whose lives got ripped apart, that it's going to be a hard day. You wake up mm-hmm. and you know that every day. And mm-hmm. so you do kind of know what's coming. And it's really more an, a choice to not let that be what defines our family, not let that be what defines who I am. 
And if that means that I need to take a five-minute timeout once an hour for the whole day because I'm having a really hard day personally coping with that, I do it. And if it means I need to ask my mom and bribe her with a Starbucks to come and sit with my (laughs) kids for three hours so that I can have a nice long break and get connected Mm -hmm. with people and with my heart again and with God's heart, then I do that. And if it means I need to take my husband out, which we go every single week without fail, we joke about how we used to call it like, unless someone's in the ER, we're out on date night every week. But then we broke that and we were both in the ER one night <laughs> with the stomach flu or something. And we were, it was date night and we're like, hey, I guess it even works when it's an ER day. So, but we make that happen. We make it happen because we know it's going to be hard going into it. Okay, so I have to ask you a question. I, I, <laughs> that's funny, the ER day. Um, that that's probably now your your new little slang that you get <laughs> part of it. Okay, pray that today won't be an ER day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but on the the scientific approach, being a, a science a scientist that you are, what happens when you're talking about um, what's going on in, in your brain? I find it fascinating. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually speaking on conflict resolution, on how you can change that fight or flight method that's going on when that is taking place, especially if it's an ER day and you just want to jam out of there rather than um, being able to even cope with what's going on. So tell us a little bit more when you were talking about the the neutrons and I, I find that fascinating and how do you get your brain to think differently to be able to find that joy and cope with the day if you can't bribe someone with the Starbucks? <laughs> Well, the the thing that I really hoped to provide in the book was a, an opportunity for people to let themselves fully feel what they're going through, because one of the biggest ways to stay in the fight or flight moment is to pretend like it's not happening, is to keep going on with your day, to ignore the signs in your own body, to ignore the fact that you're exhausted, to ignore the tension in your shoulders, to ignore the fact that you feel humiliated or stressed or upset or angry about the kind of care that your kid needs. Just if we ignore it, it will get worse and it will fester. And so my my call to readers in this book is don't stop it. Lean into the skid. Let yourself feel what is going on with you. And if that means doing like setting an alarm on your phone every 30 minutes to do a 10-second check-in of where is the tension in my body, then do it and let yourself look in the face of what's really going on and stop brushing it under the rug because it's the brushing, it's the continual brushing and the dissociating that happens in our own hearts and souls that causes so much damage physiologically okay. to us. Break that down a little bit more. I, that That is really good because so many times you, you don't even, like you said, just that self-aware and doing that self-check. And it goes back to Lisa earlier was talking about all of a sudden you're working with these, you know, elderly and they're just downright mean. (laughs) That's what you're talking about. All of a sudden you can't cope and you become a very bitter, angry person. So um, what are, what are some of the other specifics that you're dealing with um, when someone is pretending that it's not happening? Well, they, it comes out in all different kinds of ways. You know, we, we tend to either blame or shame when we get into those kind of situations. And we'll either, so we'll focus it outward on somebody else and we'll fixate on them and we'll try and make them do things. We get controlling and we get manipulative and we get bitter and we get gripey and we get, you know, we get those 
comeback attacks where we have to get the last word all the time and or we take it inward and we fall into depression and self-destructive behaviors and you know even women can get stuck in pornography and drinking too much and you know physical aggression to ourselves being brutal in terms of how much exercise we do or how we control our food intake and all that kind of stuff so it can go either way inward or outward and and the only way to make that crazy stop is to sit and be in it, to let it happen, let it wash over, and just hold on to God in that storm. Say, I'm, I'm walking out of the boat here. I'm going to step out into this storm. I'm going to trust I'm not going to drown here because you're there. You know, Grab onto his hand and stand there on the waves for a minute and see what he'll do with it. And that's a, that is such a great, um, that's such a great advice to just, because we want to do the other. We want to either take it inward or take it outward and not feel it and not be in that moment, like you said. Well, we have less than three minutes, Lori, and we just, again, we want to just let you know, we appreciate you so much coming on the show and sharing. There's so many questions we still have for you, so we need to have you on another time and just go into a lot more of this, um, because this is such a a topic with joy. But I want to ask you a question, because in your book, you write about a life-changing moment at a conference. What was the topping and what was said that really got your attention and that pierced your heart? It was a friend of mine. I went to it just to support her. I had no intention of internalizing anything. She was speaking on forgiveness, and I thought, ah, I've got forgiveness down. I understand someone hurts you. You forgive them. You're still annoyed. You work through the feelings. You let go. You move on. That's how I understood it. And essentially, she presented it that way as well. But in that particular moment, we were looking at the potential of putting our younger adopted daughter into a psychiatric residential placement for an extended period of time. And so I was in this unraveled, horrible mother place where I'm a failure and everything's falling apart and forgiveness doesn't actually work and God, you're a liar. And so I was sitting in that that seminar and she said that whole thing about Peter forgiving 70 times seven. And I just did the math in my head quickly of how many times I had to deal with people judging me, you know, listening to her when she manipulates and does the attachment disorder stuff. And it makes me look like a bad person. People called in, authorities called in on me and all this kind of stuff. And it really, it, it boiled down to every two to three weeks, I was hitting 490. And I thought, God, you are kidding. You have to be kidding. There has to be a different way to do this. And and that was where the conversation opened. And he said, and yeah, Lori, it's I am different. so sorry. We're going to have to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
Christmas draws near, here are some interesting holiday traditions from other countries. Folks in Finland visit the sauna on Christmas Eve. Since Christmas arrives in Australia in the middle of the 100-degree summers, crowds of Aussies celebrate on the beaches with beer and Skittles. The Eskimos celebrate a winter festival called Sink Tuck, dancing and exchanging gifts. In 1828, the American minister to Mexico, Joel Poinsett, brought a red and green plant to America. The colors were perfect for Christmas, so the plants, named after Mr. Poinsett, started appearing in stores. What's a word for a person's name that ends up in the dictionary, such as a poinsettia? It's called an eponym. It's Carolyn Davidson and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Right, we are back with Lori Wallen, author of Get Your Joy Back for Weary Parents of Special Needs Kids. And Lori, um, Lisa rudely interrupted you, right? In an <laughs> I did. I felt horrible. <laughs> so, so there's no way we're going to let you leave on that note. So um, we want you to be joyful today and not stressed out. And you were talking, you were kind of finishing your sentence. So let's get back on. Um, it started out with for forgiving 70 times 70. So let's go back to finishing that. Yeah, I was uh, saying that we were in a season with one of our daughters where we had to face the idea of putting her in a long-term psychiatric residential placement because things had become so bad at home no matter what we had done. And so we, I was facing every day hard conversations with her teachers and frustrated therapists even and our neighbors and people coming and saying your daughter stole something from our house and all these kind of things. And so I was facing, you know, 10, 12, 15 instances a day of being invited to resent my daughter. <laughs> and I was finding that it was going to be a very quick road to 490 opportunities to forgive all of the different <laughs> people that I felt were coming up against my heart and my intentions for this child, you know. So I, I was angry at God when I realized that. I thought, this is no longer just an impersonal scriptural tenet. This is now me and you in a wrestling match because you need to figure this out. <laughs> you, God, need to show me how this works because this is crazy. And he was faithful. He did. He he wrestled with me for a year over that idea. And eventually I felt like he gave me the idea of forgiveness as forgiveness, F-O-R-E-giveness, where I would, before I even got my feet out of the bed in the morning, I would make sure in my head that I already gave everything that would happen to him. I already let go of all of it to him. I thought of it sometimes when I was having a bad day, I would think of lighting every instance that people gave me on fire and putting it outside in my backyard in my head. (laughs) I was just, it had to be that visual for me, but it was a whole different process of forgiveness. It was this in advance forgiveness that I would go into the days with. And I've been doing that ever since. It's been three or four years now. And it really changes things to realize uh, hands off from the beginning, no matter what happens, God is in charge of this. It is his problem. 
for him to deal with and I can let it go and I can trust in what he's going to do with it. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't get that. I don't, my feelings don't always follow that, but my mind always goes there now. See, that's really hard, Lori, because see, I am perfect. So I <laughs> that on God is in charge. So that's and good humble to too. Very humble at the same time. Yes. <laughs> Yes, we know that, Patty. Thank you for reminding us again. Uh, <laughs> okay, Lori, I want to I wanna, um, go back when you're just, just what you were saying, because there were so many things that it, it triggered, but you're talking about resentment. And you, you even have a quote, you say resentment, it's not the intense care that the parents must provide their child um, that really is the greatest stressor and the source of pain. It's resentment. And that's what you're saying here is resentment. And I think, um, you know, you don't have to have a special needs child in that situation to have resentment. We all have resentment at some level if, if we're honest. And then I also like what you said, you had to wrestle with God. And we don't give our time, ourselves permission to do that. And we don't give ourselves the time. And like you said, I wrestled with God for about a year, I think is what you said. And we want quick fixes and um, that instant gratification, we want to know, I prayed a prayer, and then in the next hour, it's going to be resolved. Instead of going through the journey of, I need to wrestle, I need to go through this, um, I need to let go, I need to see, you know, kind of what's God's role, what's my role in this. And um, so just giving people permission to wrestle with God and to come out. And then, like you said, you, it was very personal because for you, you're a very visual person, which I am too. And so for you to resolve it, you know, God helps you in a personal way, get through that. So those are really great tips and steps for people because it is easy to harbor that resentment and not even realize that's what you're doing. It is. And it feels more powerful to us to hold on to bitterness and resentment. It feels like we can still have some shred of control in those situations, but it's a, it's an illusion. The only thing we're holding on to there is is poison. That's one mm-hmm. of my favorite quotes from Anne Lamott is that when we choose not to forgive someone else, it's like swallowing rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do. That is so true. Okay, the, um, going back with you know this whole thing of joy and with parents and um, just the conversations, what have you seen and some of the feedback you've gotten from parents in, you know, that, that are maybe in this journey with special needs, a special needs child, or just feeling like I'm out of control in my life and I really need God to set, you know, step in with things. What are some of the feedback and how do you address and kind of coach parents through this journey? Well, the, the first place that I go, and, I, and I'm glad that my books came out in this order, is honestly the strengths and the quirks piece of it, because you can work on removing resentment and, and work on really practical strategies for how to forgive and not to ex, you know, exonerate the other person or anything that happened, but to relieve ourselves of that toxicity. But once you've taken something out, you have to put something else in or else the thing will just fall back into the place. You know, nature abhors a vacuum. And so Mm. once we remove that negative stuff, we need to put something positive in. And so the first thing I always do is work on, you know, who are you? What has God uniquely gifted you to be able to do? What are you great at? Even if you think that that thing you're great at is a horrible thing, like you tend to be a worrier or you think too much or you're whatever, you know, you plan too much or you're too spur of the moment. What, What is that and what gift is in that and how can you appropriate that over more of your life so that you feel confident in those situations and not at the mercy of the things that you're facing. Mm. Okay. 
Um, what gift is in that? You you have such great tips on um, what we truly are having to. So many times we um, we wake up in the morning and we have the prayers and we go into our quiet time with the Lord and we read through the scriptures, but we're at a loss and we, and you know, it, it sounds so, um, I don't know, sacrilegious or something to go, no, God will provide. But he also wants us to use our brain and, and be able to get these tools to, to move forward. And I, I want to back up on, um, when you're saying replacing that, removing that resentment and replacing it with something positive. Um, when you are resenting, especially it's, it's, that's a good example because our children are there so daily and it's easy to, Obviously, we all have our idiosyncrasies, but you made the comment about being embarrassed, and I, I see that and I hear that, and I've, I've also felt that being as perfect as I am, I have felt the embarrassment of my children. And why why is that? Why do we let their behaviors, um, as, as moms, we feel so guilty? Can you kind of unpack a little bit of that, of what's going on? And um, like you said, just giving that up to the Lord. Yeah, it is. It is a big issue. And I think part of it is this whole idea of we see snapshots of other people's lives, you know, in 30 minute TV shows and 140 character Twitter updates and all this kind of stuff. And we see all these people's snapshots of their highlights and we compare our, you know, real to real every moment ugly with that. And it, it makes us feel really like we don't measure up. You know, I was just actually reading in Christianity Today, they've got an article about what social media is doing to our sense of shame as people because we really compare ourselves now at a huge level, not just in our personal friendships like, the, you know, 50, 100 years ago. And so there's that sense of falling short because we're comparing apples to oranges with other people. And then there's also the fact that people – because we have these short interactions with each other, people are making quick snap judgments about each other and people feel like they can say whatever they want. You know, it's a social media culture. We can say what we want, whatever comes to mind, even if it's inflammatory, because that's a good conversation. And so people, I think, have stopped thinking first a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, before we say stuff to people, we just have these snap judgments. And And so people shy away and feel inferior as moms because they've had people actually say to them things that they're doing wrong or that someone thinks that they're handling inaccurately in the checkout line at the supermarket or at a play group or at school. You know, I I have teachers all the time make assumptions about what our family life is like and, you know, let me know that I am falling short in how I'm handling this with my daughter. And then in those moments, I have to say, thank you for that. And I read one time a blog post that totally changed how I handle those kind of things. And there's these words that you put at the front of any feedback that someone gives you. And if it's someone you don't know and who doesn't know your life, it's like, hi, I'm a person who doesn't know you at all with some feedback on your life, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Just to be able to couch it in reality is so freeing. To be able to say, okay, yeah, that's the context. Thank you. You know, you see me, you at least care enough to say something, but that's as far as it goes. And the rest of this is between me and God. Well, and like you said, there's always so many voices out there that feel like it's their right, that they're entitled to share 
um, their nuggets of wisdom with you, if that, you know, when it's unsolicited and you're like, well, thank you very much. And, and it, you know, the reality is we can, we can hear 99 positive things and one negative, and we will remember the one negative and those words. And you have to just choose to go, like you said, you don't know me, you don't know my journey, my family life. So thank you, but no, thank you. But yep. that's a hard, but it's e- that's easy to say until you're, you have those words thrown at you and then you're like, okay, this really does, you know, stink. <laughs> this hurts, but I'm not going to let you define me. And I yeah. think it's a, a conscious choice. Like joy is a, um, a conscious choice. You have to choose to go, I am not going to let them define me and, you know, take me down this whole path that I'm a terrible mother or my kid or whatever. Cause it's so easy to start having that conversation with yourself. And, 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 you know, and it's really good to hear other women say, you know, here's my story here. I have this, somebody just told me this and you go, okay, I don't feel so alone. And there's something really, um, encouraging and empowering about that going, it's not just me that it happens to it's other women. And so we need to be sharing, you know, these painful moments in life too, because they really are great connection points. So it's not just, you know, it's not just the highlights we're hearing, but it's others pain. Well, Lori, again, this, this segment and the show went by so fast. Thank you again for just sharing your heart, your, your life experience, your journey with us and for encouraging us and so many other people in the journey to really you know, get your joy back. And so we just want to encourage our listeners to, um, you, on our website, we have a link, um, get your joy back, um, by Lori Wallen and other, you know, you blog and you write and you send a lot of encouragement to so many parents and to other people, no matter the circumstance and the situations in life. And so we just appreciate your heart and appreciate you. And again, encourage people to get your books and, you know, the quirkiness and all that. We love that. The weird and the quirky, those books, those are great. Thank you again. Um, Have a great day. Get your joy back and um, live the abundant life. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 